But let me introduce you, Renk Shukla from Thai Angels. And we're going to have a um, conversation with Venk about how Thai Angels is going about looking at the entrepreneurship ecosystem and, and so on and so forth. So let's dive in. Venk, tell us about Thai Angels and how do you work with investors and with entrepreneurs? So, you know, uh, so Thai Angels is about a seven-year-old organization. And... Uh, and it's really a collection of, uh, of individual investors, you see, who, uh, you know, who in general, you see, tend to focus on uh, B2B kind of, uh, you know, uh, companies. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and the whole idea is that, uh, that the collective wisdom of the group, uh, you know, collective wisdom of the group, you see, uh, you know, helps make uh, better decisions, uh, improves the deal flow, and as well as, you see, you know, uh, collectively they are better able to help the entrepreneurs. Uh, but you know, I, I will tell you that uh, that I have a you know, I'm also a VC now. Uh, I'm a, I have a seed stage fund called Monta Vista Capital. So, okay. Uh, so bulk of my time is 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 spent to see on Monta Vista Capital, but I do participate in Thai Angel still. Okay. And and how big a fund is Monta Vista Capital? So the first fund was ten million dollars, and the second fund is in the middle of, uh, of uh, you know uh, raising is thirty million dollars, and the first close is already done, and I already started mm -hmm. investing from my second fund also. The first fund is made about twenty investments, uh, and about eighteen of them were on B two B also. So your focus, as well as Thai Angels' focus and Monte Vista Capital, all of it is in the B two B software segment you know in general that's the that's a you know accurate statement to make the only exception mm -hmm. is where uh, in those consumer uh, areas where a deep technology ip is the differentiator and the driver okay uh, that's that's the only exception otherwise i see b2b is the default can you talk a bit about stage um where what is the comfort zone for you and for the Thai Angel community, for the Monte Vista Capital investments? What do you look for in what you're willing to consider as an investment? You know, in general, uh, Thai Angels and uh, Monte Vista Capital, I think uh, we, we are a seed stage investor, uh, which is before the VCs have come in. And uh, in general, you see, we, we look for uh, we look for at least a team. And we look for uh, look for uh, uh, you know a big idea, but also we look for validation of that idea. Uh, validation does not have to be uh, revenue. Uh, validation does not have to be a product developed and everything. But validation is uh, you know uh, that if you if you think that this is your product vision, uh, have you talked to you know, have you talked to people in that domain? Have you talked to potential customers in the domain? And what do the potential customers say about uh, the problem you're trying to solve and uh, the urgency of solving it and their willingness to pay for solving that problem and how much are they willing to pay for that problem? So it's, the, so I think it's not just the raw idea, uh, but over the experience experience and expertise of the team as well as the validation of that idea in some form. So 
when you say you're looking for a big idea, talk to us a little bit about um, how you are, you know, where in the B2B software segments are you seeing these big ideas? And maybe a few examples of the kinds of things that either you've invested in through Tie Angels or through the first Monte Vista Capital Fund. So just to give us a flavor. So here's an example, right? Uh, let's say in, in, in big data, uh, there are a lot of companies that, you know, seek to solve the problem uh, if there is a lot of unstructured data. Mm -hmm. uh, there are also traditional companies like Teradata and products like Exadata from Oracle that solve the problem uh, if you have only structured data. The reality is that today uh, you have a, a mix of unstructured and structured data and in huge quantities, and there's no solution to that because all the Hadoop-based solutions really don't have a good sense of structured data and how to handle that. So that's mm -hmm. a big problem to solve. And it's not, uh, and you know, solution of this problem, you say, requires a fundamental understanding of not just uh, uh, the relational algebra, which is behind uh, uh, databases, uh, but also a very good understanding you see, of how to handle unstructured data. So that's mm -hmm. a big problem to solve. Uh, another big problem to solve, if, you know, for instance, you see, would be, uh, it, you know, uh, how do you, uh, you know, there are a lot of chat bots right now to automate customer mm -hmm. support, but, uh, but all the big enterprises, uh, these chatbots, you see, you know, very soon you see would need to pull out information from their SAPs, from their Oracles, from their sales forces and stuff. So not a technology in isolation, but a technology that knows see how to work with all these backend software. So, mm -hmm. so innovation, uh, you know, innovation by itself is okay, but innovation, you see, with the eye on solving a particular problem is better, and it's potentially a, a brick problem to solve. Another example, you see, would be, you know, in, in, in cybersecurity. All the existing uh, products that exist, they're all rule-based, which means uh, they throw up a huge number of and rule-based ones are basically uh, based on prior experience and expertise of the team. Uh, but, the, but the cyber attackers have become so sophisticated that yeah. you need, you need uh, solutions that, uh, you know, that, that can evolve and grow and think for themselves, which means artificial intelligence, which machine learning. Yeah. So how do you apply machine learning uh, as a as a replacement or as an enhancement or rule based you know uh, solutions that exist to prevent data theft. So these yeah. are, you know uh, you, you some trends. I mean the, the interesting thing is that uh, that what has happened is that uh, because of cloud uh, the data center the problems that used to exist in data center they're all. Uh, they're all migrating to the cloud. So all those mm -hmm. problems need to be solved again. Plus, it's generating a new set of problems. 
So, so, so there is no. So I don't think that all these problems have been solved. There are a lot of new problems to solve in that sense. So um, I'll provide a bit of commentary for the audience on some of the things that you mentioned as as trends. So this the unstructured data problem. You know, we've actually seen this unstructured data problem also being solved for. A, you know, almost a couple of decades, there have been companies, major companies that have been formulated on this unstructured data problem. Autonomy was one of them that uh, that went very big, actually, on that problem. But today, one of the trends that we are seeing is that this whole unstructured data problem being solved for specific uh, verticals or specific functionality areas, functional areas, and um, and solutions built on top of solving that unstructured data problem in a cloud-based architecture with AI, and and those can be very interesting, very compelling uh, new companies to uh, to pursue. On the cybersecurity side, um, there's a lot of AI applications in the cybersecurity side. Cybersecurity, however, is an extremely over-invested. Segment. It has always been so. You know, if you look at the last 20 years of the venture capital industry, cybersecurity may be one of the most heavily invested areas in the industry. So if you are doing a company in cybersecurity and you're looking for angel investors, seed investors, and eventually VCs, you would need to position your product very, very uh, sharply so that you can differentiate and, and clearly articulate where exactly you play in that heavily, heavily crowded uh, market. So those are just kind of like a couple of comments based on the trends that we have just discussed. Venk, I'm going to ask you to comment on a few, um, you know, broader trends that I um, have identified and I'm, you know, getting inputs from lots of investors on these trends. So let me get your input here as well. One of my observations is that we are in 2017. Lots of stuff have already been built, but there are many, many niche opportunities around what has already been built. Some of these businesses need to be built for very small amounts of capital, you know, one to two million dollars and sold for 10 to 15 million. Is there appetite in your community for this type of investment? And what about a not smaller, like invest 250K to 500K and sell for five to 10 million? You know, uh, you know. I think that's a uh, that's a very attractive proposition. When I started out, you see, as an angel investor in 2010-2011, that was my, uh, you know, that was my, uh, you know, guiding principle that I would look for those kind of opportunities. Mm -hmm. uh, what what I, you know, what I gravitated towards was again, you see, going for big ideas, and the reason for that was simple. What I discovered was that. Uh, that startups are inherently risky, and mm -hmm. uh, unless you see you are going into an area where the barrier to entry is so high that you know you you that you just you know you just don't see uh, more than a company or two in that area. Uh, it's very hard, you see, to to you know to to figure out uh, where to bet on because. Startups are inherently risky, and they fall apart. You see, for uh, for non-business reasons, sometimes the find, the founders don't get along with each other. Sometimes you see there's a lawsuit. Sometimes 
you know, for a whole variety of reasons. So as an investor, as a professional investor, you you soon realize that the that the that risk is not any smaller investing you see in a in a in a niche in a niche market because the whole lot of other risk that exists you see with any startup you see applied to those startups as well. The only exception you see here would be something like let's say you know semiconductor intellectual property where there are only five or six experts in the world uh, mm-hmm. you know who really understand that area <clears throat> and two of them are working you see with uh, with this uh, great professor you see who has dedicated his life to understanding you know that area and they start this year intellectual you know semiconductor ip company you can be pretty sure that it's not going to be a crowded space and you could be pretty sure that if they do the job well the company will have an exit to see for you know 20 to 40 million dollars but other than those kind of uh, uh, you know those those niche areas anything else you see you know there is a risk that it could become a feature you see of a bigger platform or a or a bigger play and then uh, and then is unless you your timing is right and and you're targeting you see the potential acquirers you see you know very well you could just miss the opportunity right so I, this is actually a very good point that i'm seeing in the people who are there are angels who are act angels and incubators accelerators who are following the strategy of going after these uh, you know smaller opportunities niche opportunities where you're you're right you need to find an expert who's a real expert in that specific domain and then the the uh, the cycle kind of needs to be closed with the acquirers. So, so these kinds of opportunities are best tackled when you have a good closed relationship. As an investor, you have a good closed relationship also with the corporates who are going to become the eventual acquirers. So you're almost like, you know, validating it with the acquirers, building it up to a certain point, validating the opportunity, and then you know, selling into that acquirer who has almost given you a thumbs up up front that he has go and build this and will acquire you. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a, you know, I think this, this game can be played, uh, but it requires a, see, a really, really deep domain, uh, not just deep domain expertise, okay. but but deep domain relationships. Relationships, so you know, yes. So, so, so you know that, you know, if I'm doing this uh, marketing automation, this niche in marketing automation, here are yes. the three potential acquirers, and uh, you know, and they need to know, you see, what specifically I'm doing, and yeah. so that, so that, so that I could have a quick exit, because if I don't have a quick exit, uh, then you see all these assumptions, you see, you know. You know, all this, you know, you have to raise more money, and if you raise more money, then the valuations, and if the valuations, then expectations to see of exits are higher, and on and on and on. The problem compounds itself very, very quickly. Yeah. So you can play this at a, you know, with a set of, with a very specific domain focus, with a specific set of corporates around you, and in some cases, actually, these corporates are investing in these little micro funds that play this game. So, so. It's, it's, it is a little, you know, side of the industry that is developing because, you know, we are in 2017. There are these little niches which are not venture scale niches. They're not going to be venture fundable. So if you, you can only play these if you work with little bits of, 
you know, seed money and then pretty much go straight to acquisition and not go out to raise a venture round. Yeah, absolutely. But as, as critical as he has understanding of the niche uh, yeah. and the technical chops to develop it is the relationship, you see, in that target ecosystem. I mean, are you are you familiar? Are you aware? Or do you have anybody in your team? Totally agree. Uh, totally that agree. has that that has that visibility and relationship with the key players in the industry. Yeah. Next question. Another trend. Uh, how do you process the current investment climate, where capital is moving further and further upstream? How does an angel group or an entrepreneur, for that matter, mitigate the Series A gap? You know, funds are becoming bigger, and the venture funds, the, the you know, venture funds becoming larger means that they can only do larger Series A's. So, and there is there is a group of investors that are playing into that gap and doing the two million, three million Series A's, but the the more traditional firms are going to five million, seven million Series A's, and and they want. You know, they already want a 1 million ARR, uh, you know, in the case of a cloud investment before they're going to put in any money. But getting to 1 million ARR, as you know, as, an, as a seed stage investor, takes time and, and takes quite a bit of navigation. And sometimes that is a gap where people are falling into. So they get a very, very beginning investment and then they're not quite ready for Series A, so they need more money in that gap stage. How are you dealing with that in your funds or your, in your tie angels investments, and how are your entrepreneurs dealing with that? You know, it's a very good question. I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, I have one situation, you see, where, and, uh, and that really is in, is, is in the clouded cybersecurity space, where yeah. uh, where uh, there have been some uh, because there have been some you know failures in that space or failures in the sense that uh, that people have raised a huge amounts of money but they haven't really delivered you see corresponding returns so yeah. so VCs have become worried that's one situation I'm aware of where where this uh, Series A gap you see is uh, you know is is a problem but. But in all the other companies that I'm seeing, you know, if you're really solving, you see, a, a potentially big problem, and, uh, and, and you're solving it, you see, in a way that inspires confidence, uh, I'm not seeing that problem. I'm seeing that problem, see, uh, only where the, only where, you see, it's a struggle, you see, to differentiate the company and what it does in a very mm -hmm. fundamental way. But if you're doing something which is highly differentiated and potentially a big market, I'm not seeing any problems with getting Series A funding, whether it's you know, whether it's three million or ten million. There mm -hmm. are plenty of choices you see available, uh, as you said, you know, because because NEAs you see of the world and Securities of the world want to invest five to ten million. Uh, yeah. There are plenty of these hundred million dollar funds that have come up you see in last two three years. Uh, mm -hmm. To pick, pick up that slack, and and they are pretty active. But, uh, but yes, I think the best thing that has happened for the Series A gap actually is this. You know, in the last three four years, are the uh, seventy-five to hundred million dollar funds that are willing to do the two million three million Series A's because that was clearly 
a requirement um, in in that category. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think uh, to give you a perspective, you see, on my fund, this thing, I have about, uh, you know, uh, 12 major investments, and uh, and about eight, so about seven of them, you see, you know, raised venture funding, and none mm -hmm. of them, you see, had any difficulty. Uh, three of them are not raising any VC money uh, because, uh, you know, because they're, uh, they're doing well. Uh, one of them is only one of them is having a problem, and it's, it's having a problem because they happen to be in a very very crowded cybersecurity space, where mm -hmm. you know a crisp differentiation from the pack is a challenge. It's very hard, yes, yeah. very very hard. So yeah. of your of your ventures, the ones that are that have raised venture money, have they raised venture money from these? Seventy-five to hundred million dollar kinds of funds, or have they raised money from the bigger funds? They are typically raised from bigger funds because uh, uh, you know these are big spaces. Like one, one of them I talked about was, you know, how do you handle uh, structured and unstructured data together? Mm -hmm. And that's a very very big problem to solve. Every company in okay. the world has that problem, and there is no solution. So that's one. Uh, you know, with this, uh, with the onset of only mobile, predominantly mobile access. The old mm -hmm. networking problems have not gone away, but the new ones, as you have piled on top of that. Uh, you know, with cloud applications, mobile devices, access points, and the bandwidth thing. So, mm -hmm. uh, so how do you quickly using you know machine learning? How do you quickly uh, isolate a problem when somebody complains, as you of poor responsiveness, mm -hmm. and where uh, so that's a that's a new category, a big problem. The third one is, is how do you create a virtual private cloud in minutes? Mm -hmm. uh, so that it, you know, the traditional route you see of DevOps and testing and deployment, those are three four months long processes. How do you how do you cut that short you see, and do it in minutes uh, mm -hmm. when something has to be rolled out very very quickly in a very secure way? Uh, something like uh, you know something like using artificial intelligence to prevent data theft. Okay. Uh, so these using, are these you, are the kinds know, you, of problems that uh, that uh, you know, for lack of better words, are where the unicorns are supposed to come from. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. You, I think I think you you hit the nail on the head. So my learning has been that. You know, uh, in theory, what you said, you see, about, you know, about, uh, you know, if you're a small investor, uh, you know, f then the then this strategy is to find uh, a, a niche, a defensible niche, and entrepreneurs who can exploit that niche and get an exit. And if you can, you know, uh, in, in practice, what I found was that, uh, that, those combinations are very hard to find, except you see in except in industries like semiconductor, uh, you know, intellectual property. Uh, mm -hmm. In any other space, whatever niche that you start out with could easily become a feature of something bigger, or if it's not executed very very quickly, then there are plenty of others you see who show up. And yes. And, and then, you see, if you can't get a quick exit, then all yeah. those problems as you multiply. 
Yeah, I think I, I, I completely agree with you. You can play that game only with relationships into the acquirers. Otherwise, you can't play that game. You can't play that game because if it's taking longer and then you have to raise money, then you're back to the same equation again, except yes, you are yes, working yes. in a except you are working in a small Nothing. niche where the where the where in the best case you can't scenario, raise money yeah small, small niches don't have time to raise venture capital at a significant exactly. level exactly exactly so, but, but getting back to the unicorn opportunities those are also far and few and far between it's not like unicorn opportunities grow on trees and and that has a different set of issues that are happening right now because there's so much money in the hands of the larger funds and there's so much private equity and late stage funds and, and the, the, you know, epitome of that is SoftBank's 100 billion plus vision fund. There is unicorn mania right now. So if there is a fund, there is a company that has the characteristics of, you know, being able to become a unicorn, that those companies get smothered with funding. And as a seed investor or as an angel group, you could get buried under later stage liquidation preferences. How so, do you, you know, protect think, it? Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's a good point. You know, the, this, uh, this problem presents itself, you see, uh, you know, if the opportunity is attractive, then the investors, you see, are careful and the company has a lot of negotiating leverage. So I'll give you one yes. example. Uh, this uh, this big data company that I was talking about, with no with no customers, no product, no revenue, they got a valuation of uh, you know you know VCs put in twenty million dollars at a valuation of hundred million dollars, and and this is you know this is potentially because they think it's a unicorn kind of a company, so yeah. they this thing were not very not stringent at all. Because they want to get into the company, uh, yeah. they cannot afford this to dictate their terms. Well, there are a bunch of problems uh, coming about later on. So this is the this is to get into the company, and then as you as you go further down, there are funds like you know there's a bunch of Middle Eastern money coming in and wanting to get into attractive deals like this, and and they are. Buying out uh, the, they're giving the founders a lot of liquidity as one of the ways of getting into the deal. That's creating another set of issues, also. That's a, you know, that's, if you look a, at uh, that's very uh, Uber, for instance. Yeah, that's very Sorry, unhealthy. A really, really unhealthy kind of a trend. I'm very unhealthy trend. trend. I'm seeing that. You see, uh, you know, that happened. You see, in India, you see, you know, two, three years ago. And yeah. uh, all these entrepreneurs who haven't re returned a single penny to the investors, they are buying, you see, you know, uh, five, six million dollar homes and, you know, yeah. becoming active angel investors and stuff. And the companies, you see, haven't done diddly squat so far. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this, is, this is a part of the problem of having too much money in the system. Yeah. No, I entirely agree with you. Entirely agree with you. Uh, but you know this uh, this too much money problem is is really a later stage problem uh, at the early stage at the seed stage uh, you know if you're not, not talking about if you're not talking about ICOs that for blockchain based thing then then it's not really a problem and i think mm -hmm. this uh, this abund overabundance of capital 
is uh, for companies that are uh, startups that are reasonably successful and raising this series mm -hmm. B series C types. Uh, That's right. But at the C, right. but at the C, at the seed stage, you see, I don't see that problem. No. No, there, there is actually a, a pre-seed problem. Um, you know, there were like 70,000 companies that received angel financing or some sort of a seed pre-seed financing, very early stage financing. Um, and, you know, the, in, uh, in the last few years, this is, these numbers of like the companies that are getting these very early stage financing has been very high. But the number of companies that actually get venture financing remains at 1,200 or so. So, so there is, in the middle where there is, you know, companies that have crossed over to being credible companies, that set of companies is actually much lower. And, and a lot of companies that get funding are getting funding from, you know, if, again, for lack of better words, dumb investors who don't know what they're doing and they're just writing checks and, and, and creating a glut in the, in the funnel in the early stages as well, but it is not, uh, it, it's in the middle where you have good companies, people don't have access to the deal flow into those good companies, um, and, and so on and so forth. There's, it, it's a kind of a cumbersome early stage that is developing because of the entrance of a whole lot of very impractical and unrealistic set of expectations on behalf of people who have made money in the last few years. So right. there's, you know, smart money is rare, smart deals are rare, but there is a glut in the dumb money and dumb deals. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's, uh, there's one thing that, uh, that has happened recently is uh, that the cost of, of starting a company has come down so much that there are thousands of experiments taking place. And uh, actually, which is good for, you know, good for everyone because uh, more, more of these ideas you see get, uh, you know, get, get tested, you see, and explored, you see, and validated. And only, only some of them, you see, you know, make it to seed funding and then you see to VC funding. Uh, so for the, for the VCs, I think it's, it, it, you know, the risk, this thing has gone down significantly because by the time yeah. a company gets to them, a product market fit has already been established. Already been established, yeah. And, so and, and there them, is a lot more bootstrapping these days, which is a very healthy trend because that's how yeah. you take out the product market uh, fit risk. And the, more, and, and the more you take that risk out before going to investors, the higher your probability of getting funded anyway as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I haven't seen the data, but my my hunch is that the number of companies getting Series A funding is not any lower than what it used to be. It might even have. No, gone it's up been constant for the last decade. That about in that twelve hundred or so level. Yeah, it hasn't yeah. changed very much. Yeah, but what has happened is what you just said. The bottom of the pyramid, there are far more experimentation going on. Exactly. Uh, and you know, which is actually, which is, uh, which is good for the, for the ecosystem, good for the economy. You know, you know, except those of you who don't get funded, you see, subsequently, it's good for everybody else. Yeah. So, um, last question, Venk. Um, we are a bit over time-wise. What kinds of companies 
would you like to see? Give us some guidance on like, what's your fantasy deal? What segment or where do you think, you know, you would like to make further investments right now? So, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the areas that, uh, you know, that, that really excite me are, are ones you see where you're, you're applying technology to solving, you see, uh, you know, some domain problem, let's say insurance industry or telecom industry or something, where you have some unique uh, oil and gas industry, where you have some unique insight, uh, where yeah. you have deep understanding of the industry, and you're using, you see, technology to solve that problem. So that's one category of problems that, that I look at, uh, you know, I'm interested in those companies <clears throat> that are solving those. The second category is, is if it's a general purpose kind of a across, you know, across this year, a lot of verticals kind of a, you know, a platform kind of a technology, then you see what I'm looking for is, is some fundamental, uh, you know, transformational uh, technology. And, uh, and that really comes down, you see, very heavily, you see, on, on the expertise and the quality and the track record, you see, of the founders. Of the founders, yeah. Uh, or the third, or the third one. I'll tell you. See, one company I invested in, uh, one of the mm -hmm. rare consumer companies I invested in. They make uh, women's bras using uh, mm -hmm. there's some some tricks up the sleeve in terms of you know of fit of, of the bra as well as the supply chain and all you know inventory yeah. and all those things. And that has been, you see, a, a surprising success I see in my portfolio. They will do something like. In the third year of their existence, they will do about 100 million in revenue this year. Wow. And so that's a, again, it's a unique insight because the founders, you see, knew this uh, this problem that 30% of the women cannot find, you see, a bra their size, and they have to go to the store and try a number of different ones before they yeah. find it. So no, that uh, this is a company driven by that insight. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so I think. Something like that, you see, which is solving, you see, one particular industry's problem driven mm -hmm. by unique insight. I yeah. think even if, the, even if the technology is not transformational. Uh, yeah. So that's one category. And the second category is where you're solving, let's say, you know, you have the next generation application performance management solution. Uh, you have the next generation network analysis solution, something like this, next generation, you know, database kind of problem. Those are the yeah. things that you see I'm looking for. And when you do cybersecurity, you need to really be very precise in terms of positioning of how you differentiate in this very, very crowded universe. You know, that's a, so, so, you know, it's not just from venture funding standpoint. What I'm discovering is that in cybersecurity, every big company has a, is dealing with at least 20 vendors. And yeah. they absolutely don't want to deal with 21st vendor. Yeah. So, uh, so that's why, it, you know, having something which is very crisply kind of uh, identified, you see, and position becomes very, very important just to get traction in the market. Yeah. Then yeah. Um, there's a question from the audience. We'll, we'll take that question and then close off the session. Uh, how many ideas do you review in, say, a month when you're looking for companies to invest in? Uh, you know, typically, typically I review about uh, – you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 ideas. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and the review is, you know, in some cases, a full throttle review. 
Uh, in some cases, it's just looking at the uh, you know looking at the presentations and quickly making a decision that this is not a good fit for me. Uh, so, but I you know about 15 to 20 EC pass through my desk say every month. Okay. Well, very good talking to you, Venk, and uh, we'll you know hopefully we'll have a chance to work together more uh, in due course. Thank you for making it. I know you had a lot of cumbersome logistics uh, overnight, but uh, I'm really glad that we were able to have you over anyway. Thank oh, you for thank coming. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me, and you're doing a good service to entrepreneurs. Thank you.